Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Terry N and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 21st, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. <clears throat> Today we're reading from the big book. We are in Bill's story on page 10, the first paragraph that starts with He Talked for Hours, reading through two paragraphs, ending with Winchester Cathedral came back again. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Okay, I forgot all the readers. Um, <laughs> today's readers are the 12 steps, Katie G, the 12 traditions, Mary G. Our readers of the text are Naomi B., Marzi and Katie G. Our newcomer greeter is Reba P. And our host for the second hour is Deanna B. The share IDs for yesterday, Wednesday, February 20th, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,573. That's 12573. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 12,574. 12574. A little out of order, but it's all good. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Katie G to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Carrie, for your service. KG recovered in Boston. The 12 steps of OA. <clears throat> One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thanks for letting me do service. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. I'll now ask Mary G. to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Terry. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for your service, Terry, and I'll pass. Thank you, Mary G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 10, the first paragraph. He talked for hours, reading through two paragraphs, ending with Winchester Cathedral came back again. And I will now ask Mara Z to get us started. Mara, press star one to unmute. Terry, this is Maura Z. I thought you said Naomi B. was reader number one. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me okay? Okay. Right. Got it. <laughs> nope. Naomi nope. B., please get us started. It's family. We're all together. Today's, Good yeah, morning, family. No problem. For right. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before him. 
before me. I could almost hear the sounds of the preacher's voice as I sat on still Sundays way over there on the hillside. There was that tempered, uh, excuse me, proffered tempered pledge I never signed. My grandfather's good-natured contempt of some church folk and their doings. His insistence that the spheres really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen, his fearlessness as he spoke of those things just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. That wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. What resonates with me in this reading is on page 55, and we agnostic. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is a fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured, obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it is there, for faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. You know, I I cannot say it enough. I'm so thankful that I fell into this fell into this wonderful group and this wonderful organization of Overeaters Anonymous because I did have a higher power with lowercase p and lowercase h of course was the food. That was my power that drove me. I mean, I believed in a God and everything else in my life, but except when it came to the food, that was mine. And boy, I did a hell of a job. I was able to eat my way up to like 280 pounds. I'm only 4'11". I can't even say I'm five foot anymore because nature took care of that. But when this book was cracked open to me and I could step down as the director, knowing that there's a power greater than me around me, I can't see it. I can't feel it. But these last seven years have been a journey that I I just, I want more. This is my new addiction. If I should use that word, I apologize, but I'm not. Because I'm going through situations in my life daily that um, there's no food can change anything at all. And it works. I'm nobody special. I'm like a bozo on the bus like everybody else. But this program definitely works, and it takes work. It's not really strenuous. It's just something I do. It's like breathing. I just do it. And the beautiful part of it, it's just for today. I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow, but just for today. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. (laughs) Okay, so if you... uh... Just jumped on. We're on page 10, the first paragraph. He talked for hours, reading through two paragraphs, ending with Winchester Cathedral came back again. And I believe we're still asking if you have shared in the last day or two that we give others a chance to share. If you say your name once, and I'll repeat it back, and we'll get a list. Who'd like to share? Harlan G. Kim G. Harlan G. Larry. Kim G. Larry K. Larry K. Kate B. Kate B. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kate B. Okay, wait a minute. I'm writing. Okay. Sandy I have w. Harlan G. Who W? Sandy. Sandy W. And one more. Huh. One more person. 
Who else would like to share? All right. Well, then we'll just go with that. I have Harlan G, Kim G, Larry K, Kate B, and Sandy W. Harlan, you're up. Thank you very much, Terry. Thank you for your service, and thanks to Team Thursday for making this meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is a pivotal paragraph. And the reason that this is a pivotal paragraph in not only the book but in the history of planet Earth is because here is Bill Wilson, and he has had an exposure to Ebby Thatcher, and Ebby is sober, and he is wondering what in the world is helping Ebby stay sober when he can't seem to, to stay that way. And he is listening to Ebby talking about a religious or God-based or higher power-based solution to his problem. And he is thinking back to those still Sundays in Vermont, way up there on the hillside. They offered a temperance pledge. Proffered means offered. And the temperance pledge was given at the church because they wanted everybody to sign it because they said that if you were a good Christian in the church that Bill went to as a child, then you didn't drink liquor. And Bill knew that his father and grandfather were fall-down alcoholics. And he never signed it because he somehow knew in the back of his mind he didn't want to be told what to do. And the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. And his grandfather sitting there with him, he, we're going to see on page 12 of this chapter that when Ebby introduces the idea of God as you understand God, that is going to open up the floodgates. Now let's take a look briefly at this Winchester Cathedral reference, because a lot of people will skip over that, and it's pivotal. What did Bill see in Winchester Cathedral? What was he exposed to? He was exposed to the grave of a man named Thatcher, and Ebby's last name is Thatcher. He was exposed to a man's grave who died not of battle, not of of battle, but he drank himself to death. He drank, he died drinking cold small beer. And this had a profound effect on Bill because he doesn't want to die of drinking. He wants to die of natural causes. And he is thinking back to his exposure to this gravestone. Here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier is ne'er forgot whether he dieth by musket or by pot. And pot is how they drank beer in England in those days quart pots and pint pots and he's looking at Ebby and he's still going to struggle a bit with this but he's now more open to what Ebby is presenting him because this Winchester Cathedral experience is upon him and he does not want to go the way of the Hampshire Grenadier drinking himself to death and that is why this is so pivotal. It is now, we are now on the entrance to step two, and we're going to step aboard it. Same bat time tomorrow, same bat channel. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Next up, we have Kim G, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Terry Ann. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. You know, I think of that childhood memories rose before me, and I, I kind of want to look at it from my 
OA memories are rising before me. You know, I was diagnosed morbidly obese when I was 23, and, and my solution was to really work on the bulimia that I was taught in college. And I got down to that magical size 14 where I didn't have to shop in the big girl stores, and I was more terrified and more controlled by the food and error. So I came into OA not at a size 24, but as a size 14 bulimic. In 1994, I went to my first meeting, and the whole entire meeting was about incest and sexual abuse, and I didn't go back for six months because I thought that was a requirement. That's what OA was about. When I did come back crawling in, I spent the first year trying to control and enjoy my eating. There was a meeting in, the, in, a, in a mall near me on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I would go to the mall, have two slices of pizza, and go to the meeting hoping the meeting would give me enough strength not to go back and eat more pizza. I then in 1996, I saw Joe and Charlie. I got to see Joe and Charlie. And I couldn't have heard a more clear message. But what I walked away with was, wow, that's great information. But thank God I'm only a compulsive overeater. I just have to go to meetings and, and commit my food to my sponsor. You know, I, I was confronted at a meeting when I was crying about all the foods that I binged on. And the person listened to me and then very calmly said, did you ever notice that all those foods had flour? I don't even remember that person's face, but that was the person that taught me about the allergy. You know, I um, remember being at Region 7, because now I've now dieted myself down to a size 2 and I'm underweight. And I remember being told that someone described me as the thin blonde girl in the corner, and I just started crying. Because I lost the weight, I bought blonde hair, I bought green eyes, I had arrived. And at that point, People wanted me to run for World Service Trustee. I'm not doing steps. I'm living a program of being on guard. I'm cocky and I'm afraid and I'm frightened. So what I do is I pick up on purpose to go, I'm not qualified for that position because I don't know how to say no. And at that point, after six years of back-to-back abstinence, I never got more than eight or nine months and then eight or nine weeks and then eight or nine days. I've tried step groups, answering 180 questions, writing autobiographies, of four steps. I lived on slogans, service is swimming, share it or wear it, abstinence, the most important thing today without my exception. The disease is doing push-ups in the corner. And eight years ago after I broke my ankle, and I'm not going to have time to tell you the choreography of God of how I found out about a phone meeting with depth and weight, but what I heard in that phone meeting was page 25, that I've had a deep and effective spiritual experience. I had a lot of deep spiritual experiences in a way. But if I was in the relapse, it wasn't effective. And thank you, God, I grabbed onto this big book, had an effective experience, and it had eight years of contented abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Next up, we have Larry Kay, followed by Kate B. Hi, Terry. Thank you for your service. Larry Kay recovered um, this morning. Set my timer here. You know, I um, there, there's probably someone on this line. I, I know it because I was that person that, you know, is listening to the meeting. And they're going to eat after the meeting. They may be eating during the meeting because I, I did that. Phone meetings were, were great that way. I wanted to get a feeling. I wanted to change, but I, I couldn't. Or I knew I used to go to three face-to-face meetings on a Saturday because I thought that was my insurance policy, that was my dedication, and that was never the practical program of spiritual action. You know, we read in these paragraphs about 
you know, about this, this God idea, this spiritual idea, and that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I kept hearing it, but there I was at a, at a, at a, at a convention, an Overeaters Anonymous convention surrounded by lovely people, many of whom were not eating, some like me who had Snicker bars and, you know, and Kit Kat bars and other things up in their room. Now, I mind you, I didn't intend to eat those. That was just kind of an insurance policy as well. My heroin had to be fairly close just in case. And I would hear this God idea, and, and I always thought, you know, you know, I'm good with a lot of this stuff in this program. The God stuff, not so much. And, you know, today I talk to people who have a similar feeling about it. You know, I'm okay with a lot of it. It's great, but the God stuff, you know, that the God part, I, I think I'll I'll take what I want and leave the rest. And we here we're supported in that notion in many in many rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And what I can tell you today for me is there is no God part in this program. None. There's no God part in this program. The way the co-founders developed it and our early pioneers developed it is the entire program is spiritual in nature. <laughs> there's, there, there's no separation from that. Now, you can work it any way you want, but I know for me that until I had a complete spiritual transformation as the result of the steps, I was going to remain a temporarily sober person. All I had was temporary sobriety, and I would give anything to get up. And that's why I had temporary sobriety at that regional convention where I had the, the food up in my room. And I meant it when I said I wasn't going to eat that food. And there came a time when I would go up and eat that food, and I felt such shame and remorse, and I felt like I was the only one that was doing that. So if you've got the food and you're eating it now and you're, you're not alone, <laughs> You know, maybe the disease of convincia. There is no spiritual part of the program. The whole program is spiritual nature. That's why we work the steps in sequence. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Next up, we have Kate B. followed by Sandy W. Good morning, Kate B. I'm recovered compulsive overeater from Minnesota. I'll be sharing today, and I thank her for the services. I just wanted to note that really speaks where I am today in my journey. And I'm just so grateful for this paragraph. It's me. See some of these words and talking about how you sat there on the hillside on to the preacher. And, and that was me every Sunday going to church with my family and, and really feel like I don't need to listen to this preacher. All of the how to listen. And I moved to a different religion and and still that journey I have today, but but I had a religion, so I I, I still listened to a different preacher and continued my journey with God. But what was I really doing? I wasn't listening to God. I was him. I was burying this God I knew with my food, and and my childhood memory did the same thing. Any time I didn't want to feel, any time I didn't want someone to tell me I was right or wrong or somebody or I, I didn't perfect I wasn't good enough I, I buried all that with my food and then I, I put on that I'm okay I got this I'm gonna persevere I'm an overcomer 
am an overcomer, but I am an overcomer of my God, of my higher power, because of the journey, the spirit, wonderful journey through these steps has showed me I am good at I'm perfect in his eyes, and I'm so grateful for this journey with all of you, my God, by my side. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kate B. Sandy W., you're up. Thank you, Terry. Thanks so much for your service. Um, this is Sandy W., gratefully recovered in Connecticut. Um, he talked for hours. I, I have to say, that first reminded me, um, I'm just back from a trip with four of my sister-in-laws who could talk not just for hours, but for days. And, um, um, but I'm so grateful now because of this program, I can show them that love and patience and tolerance. Um, but it also spoke to me in that that's how I feel when I'm with a fellow. You know, yes, even with my social anxiety and me who avoids too much socializing, you know, while I, while I do love people, People and I love to talk in general, um, you know, it's generally for short doses, you know, after which I need some downtime to rejuvenate before I can go at it again. But, um, you know, and again, me who, who prefers just a few close, intimate friendships over lots of acquaintances and, you know, who my first reaction when an invite comes into a party where I'd have to mingle and make small talk, you know, immediately I go to what, how can I say no? But yes, you know, I can talk for hours with others in our fellowship because it's really there that you really get me. You know, it's in our rooms that I can finally share and hear my story told over and over by people in which I have nothing else in common. And it's there that I can share what has worked for me, um, this big book and its 12 steps and entire abstinence. You know, um, I've realized that it's not just the camaraderie of the fellowship, the sharing of our mutual problem, but the sharing of the solution and, and then the work of following these concrete instructions in this book. Um, yes, I can talk for hours about it, but it's in the doing of this book, uh, you know, of what this book instructs us, that that's what gets and keeps me recovered. And I'm just so grateful for that each one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sandy W. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, if you just joined us or you jumped on late, we're reading in Bill's story on page 10, the first paragraph. He talked for hours, reading through two paragraphs, ending with Winchester Cathedral, came back again. Who else would like to share? Leah. Erin. 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 I didn't get your last initial, Erin. You can give it to me. Right, it's Erin M. from North, just, just, just a bit north of Boston. Okay. I have Leah F. from Erin M. Who else would like to share? Russ M. Russ M. Jason S. Jason S. Elizabeth D. Elizabeth D. And Marzi. All right. Let's go with that. Okay, Leah S., you're up. Thank you Followed so much. Followed by Erin M. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Leah S., recovered in Brooklyn. Um, cynicism and antagonism is the way I came in. And uh, I was told 
to look at it in two sides. And one was the positive side and one was the negative side. I needed to uh, be able to start understanding that there is a power that is so great that it can be positive for me. And um, I didn't even have to name it. I just needed to understand what is positive in my eyes, what is negative on the other side. And I thought everything was negative. Everything was negative over there. But you know what? Later on in this page, they're going to say it was aimless, um, aimlessly rushing nowhere. And that's what I was doing. I was getting pleasure out of food, and, and then I needed more food, and then I needed more food. And my thinking had to start to change, and it had to start being either positive or negative. And putting that into perspective, was I was able to finally understand and get that hope that, you know what, there is something over here that is, that is really going to get me out of this rut that I'm in. I have no idea what, and everything looks like a mountain, but it, it, it start, I needed to start somewhere. And, uh, and that was pretty good for me to be able to start in that direction so that I can identify that really, really, there is a power greater than me. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah S. Next up, we have Erin M., followed by Ross M. Hi, it's Erin from North of Boston. I'm anorexic and bulimic. And this struck me because um, the part about, well, well, childhood memories, uh, well, first of all, I want to say I was raised by my dad was alcoholic and my mom had an eating disorder and we never went to church. So I was, my grandfather used to say, the worst thing your parents ever did for you is raise you without a God. And I used to say, no, grandpa, there's far worse than that they did, but that, that was nothing. Um, and so when we did go to church, like on a holiday, my dad would put one hand over his head and say, that cross is going to fall down and crush me, um, meaning I've been so bad. So I was afraid of the church, afraid of priests. Um, actually, I was, I was so afraid of them. I, I didn't know what to do. The first time I went to confession, I went into the booth and said my whole confession. And then I came out, and I realized there was nobody in the next booth. I had said it to nobody um, because I didn't even know how anything operated. Um, and I had to go back in and then say it again to a priest. But um, I took pledges. It talks about the pledges. And I pledged, I would pledge that I would never throw up except on weekends. That's how it started. And I would never... Um, I would one day everything that happened that was new. If I, if I moved to a new apartment, I would say I would never cross this threshold. Here's a new threshold. I just kept drawing lines in the sand and then crossing them. I will never throw up in this new bathroom. I will never, you know, it's just never. Then I will only starve. I will only eat between the hours of two and three every day, and it will only be this food. You know, I will limit it to two saltines in one day, and that's all you get. And uh, and then I would also I would hang a pair of clothes. I'll never forget this. I would hang a pair of very small pants on the outside of my closet that I would have to stare at every day and I could only leave the house if those pants fit me. Otherwise, my punishment, my penance would be that I could not go. 
I did this all through high school, too. You cannot go to the football game. And I was dating the captain of the football team. I could never go. I could not go to the football team unless these pants fit. If they didn't fit, your penance was that you stay in the house. You don't go out. So I, I, was, I didn't have to be grounded. I grounded myself all the time. Um, and then uh, lastly, I just want to say, you know, he says he saw that graveyard. And I think I've probably shared this before, but when I was inpatient, um, well, people would run into me all the time and they'd say, oh, my God. And some people would cry. They still do it to this day. They'll say, oh, my God, I thought you were dead. I can't believe you're still alive. And they give me big hugs. And uh, I just ran into some, I, I ran into people all the time, and they cry, and they hold me, and they say, they rock, and they say, oh, Erin, I thought you had died. But I, um, I was in inpatient, and we all got called out into the hallway, and family members were there, and we were lighting candles for the people who had died in the last year, and I knew all of them. And we lit 17 candles for girls that, oh, women and girls, you know, teenagers and women who had died in the last year, and their parents were there, and it was heartbreaking. And then there were girls that no one showed up for. So I lit a candle for one of the girls. And, um, and uh, it was like a really moving experience. They said a few words, and we all sort of stood around, um, you know, sort of, um, you know, I have to almost, you know, step back. And it was just very, very sad to see because anorexia kills more people than any other mental illness. But anyway, um, so today I'm grateful to be alive and um, and. I think I will just end with that, that um, uh, I'm just, uh, I, I really love this uh, Bill story because I, even though he's, al- I'm also alcoholic as well, but I just identify all over the place with Bill. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron M. Russ M., you're up, followed by Jason S. Morning, Terry. Russ M., recovering possible reader outside of Philly. Good morning, family. Uh, this uh, this part of the big book, this reading here, just brought out like a, a feeling in me, and it gets me a little choked up. When I was a kid, about eight years old, and we would go to church in school at, at our Catholic school, Holy Savior. And I couldn't wait to get to Mass because I felt, you know, God had his hand on my life, you know, that, I, that he, he, he loved me. You know, that I felt God's love. And looking back, you know, I was missing that for 44 years, right? And then I, uh, I'm i brought to my knees, and um, I'm working the program. And at 46 years old, I, I feel that again. It just, it touched my heart. It touches my heart, you know, that, that God would love me. That I actually could feel that, actually, like, realize that I'm loved. And, I mean, like, isn't that the whole deal, having a relationship with our Creator and all those years? Because I couldn't help myself. I don't know how it happened. I can't figure it out. I'm done figuring it out. That I just couldn't be close with God, and now I feel like that is coming back. It's, you know, just reading that, that this paragraph, that's... that's that brought that up in me, you know, that I don't know if I'm innocent <laughs> anymore, but it's bringing, you know, that love and, 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 and that the, the development of this relationship with God again, which is, which is beautiful. And I, you know, I do, I, I owe it to God that he didn't stop loving me and I owe it to this program. So thank you. Have a great day. Love you guys. Thank you, Russ M. Next up, we have Jason S. 
followed by Elizabeth S. Jason. Good morning, everybody. This is Jason S., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Alberta, Canada. Yeah. Um, what are my childhood memories of God? Well, I'd have to say um, since childhood, um, I probably never really even thought about God. Um other than for the memories of going to church with my mother. Um, you know, um, when I first come into the program, I heard people talking about God and, and all about this, that he could relieve me of this problem that I had, that, that I was, uh, that I was caught in. And, uh, but I couldn't just I couldn't just buy into that power. Um, you know, I thought about back when I was a child um, about all these things that had went on that um, pissed me off. You know, um, you know when I when I came in, um, my mom had already passed away. You know, my mom was a devout Christian. Um, she took me to church. She got me um, baptized, you know, uh, went through the whole deal. And, uh, you know, I watched uh, I watched cancer rip her away from me, you know. And, uh, and I was really upset and pissed off for a lot of years about that, you know. I thought, why couldn't you be a stop that, you know. Um, I look back at my past, even when I was growing up, it was always poor me. Why couldn't you be stopped the bullies when I was growing up, you know, tormenting me when I was overweight as a child, you know? Uh, it wasn't until I was completely well, beaten down to a pulp by this disease, you know, when I was hopeless like Bill, too, that I became willing to see God as, as uh, the love that he is and not... Um, this hateful thing. Um, he just wants what's best for me. And that's uh, what I've come to believe today. Um, I've always gotten in the way of that, of my own happiness and my with my own conceptions and my fears. And, uh, you know, thankfully to this program and these 12 steps, I, I don't have to live like that today. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Jason S. Elizabeth S., you're up, followed by Mara Z. Hi, um, this is Elizabeth D. from the Boston oh, area. Sorry. No worries. Um, my name's Elizabeth D., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, in traffic today, um, so forgive me if there's background noise. Um, I love this, these two paragraphs. Um, they mean, I think they probably are my favorite two paragraphs in the big book. Um, I grew up in a loving family and was taken to church every Sunday and took to it like a duck in water and, had all, and have all my life. Um, religion is something that I have 
found fascinating and in, in, interesting and also spirit and also just spiritually enriching that's just been my story but when it came to food and my mental disorder around food um, God was not part of the picture um, it has taken me decades to have this epiphany where I finally realized just what an agnostic I was when it came to the food. Religious? Sure. Wanting to go to divinity school? Sure. But when it came to food, I had this figured out. I just needed the right diet. I just needed the right sponsor. I just needed to go to the right series of meetings. I needed to find a way to I, 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 I. It was all about me. And it wasn't until I was brought to my knees, the way Bill was brought to his knees, and a teacher, someone in whom the problem had been solved, showed up and gave me the keys to the kingdom, basically. And I began to see the connection between how I had turned away from my higher power, whom I call God. I was the one that turned away. It wasn't God who turned away from me. I was being invited. I've been inviting, been invited by God all my life. But when it came to the food, it was just me and the food. So I'm just really grateful today that I see that connection. Um, life is not easy, but life is beautiful. Um, if as so long as I stay tethered to this higher power. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Elizabeth D. <laughs> Marzi, you're up. Good morning, Terry. Thank you for your service. Uh, Maura Z, recovered in Virginia, starting my timer. Um, you know, I had just a few thoughts, few instances of God, the idea of God as a child. There were the one or two times our family went to temple during the High Holy Days. Um, we didn't belong, uh, we weren't members, so we didn't go every Saturday. Um, none of my sisters nor I went to Hebrew school. My parents couldn't afford it. Um, my parents grew up in a, uh, in, both of them grew up in ultra-Orthodox homes and they rebelled. So there was very little teaching of our religion in the home and um, even less talk of God. Um, and so I grew up not knowing much about a God, what a God was. Um, but when I came into OA, I had by that time in my life understood a little bit more about what this God thing was. Um, and especially in the in the rooms of OA when I first came in, to see and hear people talk about their relationship with God, to talk lovingly about a higher power, made me realize that I didn't have that in my life. And seeing the lives that these particular people had that were... Um, peaceful, serene, felt comfortable, felt safe, felt safe. I never felt safe. They felt safe, and I wanted that. 
And and I talked and I asked and I talked and I asked, how did you get this? Where did the, where does this come from? And they would tell me to pray. And I didn't know what that meant. You know, I I had no idea how to get there. It wasn't until five years ago, after being in program for 14 years, that being introduced to this meeting, being introduced to working the steps by way of the big book, in order, as laid out, and hearing that this was the way to God, then finally, I have a God in my life. I have a relationship. I'm not alone. I am taken care of. I am recovered by his grace and the power of these 12 steps. This is what we all are offered and what we all can have as a result of working the 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Mara Z. Looks like we have time for at least three more. Who else would like to share? Jen A. Jen A. Yes. Okay. Nancy T. Nancy Maria T. F. Maria somebody? <laughs> Maria A F. or F or F. Karen W. And Karen okay, let's stop there. Not sure if we'll get to you, Karen W, but we'll give it a shot. Okay, I have Jen A, Nancy T, Maria F, and Karen W. Jen A, you're up. Good morning. Jen A, recovered anorexic and bulimic from Colorado. Um, so the history this morning really brings me back, um, talking about uh, the cathedral, right? Because um, that was my experience. And when I read Bill's story, and I really read it, and I learned all about going back to that, when, about to the cathedral, what, what, what came real for me it was an exact parallel of my life. Um, you see, on 2014, I attended a funeral of my best friend. Um, she was anorexic. She was um, about 86 pounds and about 5'9". Um, um, it was probably one of the hardest uh, memorial services I've ever been to. Um, and I just remember that the tears fell from my eyes, the balloons rose into the atmosphere, and she was gone as a result. And I didn't know why. I knew little things, but I didn't know, you know, the underlying nature of this disease at that point in time. Um, all I heard were the stories from her husband about the, the Ziploc baggies of vomit and um, all the other things that um, he was finding in the house as a result after she left. And um, it wasn't until 2016. So my story is, you know, Similar to Bill's, but in a shorter time frame. Thank you, God, because I needed to hear it this way. And that I come into the rooms and it's like, okay, I have this disease, right? And I'm starting to identify in. And I'm not forgetting that God's there. It's God clearly shows me a picture and he says, do you want to die? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die from this disease because I didn't come in overweight. I came in underweight. Um, but I had been, you know, overweight, underweight. In my whole life, it was just a mess. Um, and I always remember that, you know, God was always there. He was there in the memorial services. He was there in the hospital when my son died. He was always there for me, always, right? He always said to me, Jennifer Marie, I will never leave you or forsake you. He always said that to me. I knew, and I didn't listen. And now I'm getting the opportunity to listen 
to lean into God, to trust God with all my heart and all my soul, right? And that's what this program is about. It's a spiritual experience, not a religious one. I don't have to go within the walls of a church. When my grandma asked me, did I go to church today? I said, yeah. I said, I spent time with God today, Graham. <laughs> you know, but um, for, I mean, for the most part, it was like, I needed to hear this. I needed to hear that warning. That warning in 2014 is what got me to the rooms in 2016. And when I got there, that's where I stayed. Was it easy? No, I had some learning to do, some eating still to do, some restricting, some but I learned from all of you and I'm grateful for this program. I'm great that we all I'm grateful that we all get to be on this line and identify in with each other and, and hear how we restrict down to nothing, you know, two crackers. I've done that. I've been there. Thank you, God, um, that we get to identify in and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Next up we have Nancy T followed by Maria S. Good morning, everybody. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. You know, as Naomi was reading this paragraph, I was thinking, you know, what are the memories that I carry from uh, my childhood regarding spirituality and religion? And, and you know, the answer, I just came up with a one-word answer, and that was confusion. And the reason it was confusing is because the religious body that we belonged to, that we were members of, was Christian-based. And so I was being told with words that we are this, um, we believe this, we, you know, follow the Bible, we do this. But yet I grew up in an alcoholic home where none of that was practiced. So I was told one thing, but I was experiencing another. We didn't even go to church regularly. You know, we I lived in an alcoholic home. It was chaos constantly. And there was even a couple of years that my mother had put my sister and I in a Christian-based school for two years. And even there, I felt like the oddball out because, you know, all these other people actually lived what they were being taught in their homes. And so I felt like this outsider. You know, nobody knew what happened behind closed doors in our home. And I kind of felt like a fraud, you know. But uh, anyway, I didn't ever feel like I belonged. And so when I got into early adulthood, um, the idea of spirituality was really confusing to me. And all I had was my childhood perception that if I was good enough, I would find favor with God. If I followed the commandments, I would find favor with God. If I did what the Bible said, I would find favor with God. Now, that isn't probably exactly what I was taught. Um, Notice I said my childhood perception, because as a child, that's what I perceived they were teaching me. Um, And so when I came into these rooms and they started talking about a God personal to me, my mind was closed because number one, I didn't think I could ever get there. Number two, I thought I'd tried the God thing and it didn't work. You know, later there's a sentence that says I adopted the things that were convenient and rejected the rest. And that was me. God became a 911 call to me. When I really found myself stuck in the quicksand, I would call and say, God, help me, you know. um, And sometimes he did. And then it would renew my faith. And I would, you know, but I still never believed I ever got good enough. And what I understand today is that I need God to be as good as I can be. I can't do it on my own, just like I can't put the food down and keep it down on my own. I have to have God's help. And so when I finally opened my mind 
and was able to come up with a conception of who and what God was without feeling like it was some kind of sin or something, I realized that that always was who and what God always was. He never changed. It was me. Once I had an open mind, I was able to build that relationship. And so thank you for allowing me to share a great meeting with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Marie, uh, Nancy T. Next up, we have Maria S. followed by Karen W. Hi there. Good morning. This is Maria F. calling from Dublin in Ireland. Um, thank you so much for the service, and thanks very much for having this meeting. It's, it's very powerful. Um, yeah, and I'm just reading here, you know, the part where it says, childhood memories rose before me. Um, yeah, and I just look back at those childhood memories with great sadness, you know, um, looking back, being in the thick of the food um, with absolutely no way out. Um, and, and the progression of, of my disease and, and my parents' concern and, you know, being brought to the dietitians and, um, and the hospitals and, uh, and knowing sitting there, you know, there, and, and it goes on to talk about, you know, uh, where does it say uh, the priest, yeah, where, where does it say? Yeah, it just sounded the preacher's voice as I sat there still on Sundays. Yeah, people tried to preach me out of the out of the eating, you know. Um, and I knew sitting there in that dietitian's room that I was going to leave there and I was going to go and eat. Um, because I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop eating. Um, yeah, and, and, and just looking back at that with a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of sadness. Um, yeah, and food was my master, you know, absolutely my master. And I had faith coming into the rooms. Um, but I was blocked off from God, completely blocked off from God. Um, and what does it say in the book? You know, faith without works is dead. Um, and I went to God when times were bad. You know, I would look to God for help. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's not like that today. You know, thank God it is not like that today. Um, yeah, and I came into the rooms three times before. Um, I saw, you know, what they said the other day about the starry-eyed. I, I could see that look at other people, that they had recovery, they were well. And I was attracted to that. I wanted that. Um, and I kept coming back. Um, yeah, and uh, I always get nervous about sharing on the line. I always keep saying, you know, a day or today, I'm not going to share today. And just asking God for help today, you know, just help me just, you know, put my name out there and just share and so, yeah, thanks for the opportunity and thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you, Maria F. Uh, you have about 30 seconds, Karen, if you want to say hi. <laughs> hi, this is Karen W., a compulsive overeater in Austin, Texas. And <clears throat> I do just want to say hi. I haven't been on this line in a long time. I usually just listen. And uh, this has just brought back, you know, I just got mixed messages, and I was an only child, and uh, my father was alcoholic and um, violent. And so, you know, on the way to church, we we were in the Mormon church, and um, he quit drinking, and we started going to church. And, you know, he'd be hitting my mom and, and violent and angry and just furious, uh, on the way to church, you know, and so I got all these mixed messages that uh, I just really started disassociating at a young age, and I, and I carried that through um, a lot of my years, and um, 
just kind of a, I think there's a word for it, but I don't remember it right this second. But anyway, so I really didn't think much about God, and I started uh, using, sub, you know, other substances and food. And I just, uh, okay. Well, by the time I was 30, I was just busting in pain, and and that's how I got into the my first 12-step program. And I'm so grateful. That's all I can say is super, super grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Karen W. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, February 21st, is 12,547. That's one, two, five, four, seven. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Well, Marzi, please read a vision for you. Thank you, Terrian, for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.